I think that guys, they don't like to see a woman being funnier than them. And a lot of guys and a lot of people, it's like an armchair quarterback. They have so many opinions on what they would do if they were on stage, like how they would. And I'm like, well, why don't you get on stage? I'd love to see you go to an open mic mm. and test out all these great, brilliant ideas that you think you have. When I was growing up, I was always told that I was too much to handle. I was too loud, too opinionated, too demanding, just plain too much. Now, as an adult, I celebrate these qualities within myself and within the women I know. This is a call to action. This is a space to own your too muchness. This is too much to handle. I'm Hannah Cranston, the host of Too Much to Handle, where we talk about the amazing, the raw, the ugly, the painfully funny, and just plain real truth behind being a woman in your 20s and 30s. These are the conversations you're already having behind closed doors about everything from sex and dating, career pros and woes, to body issues. And we're just airing them. They might be too much to handle but that's what we like. And today I'm going to be way too much with the host of the Be Here For A While podcast and the Screwed Up Stories podcast. She's also a stand-up comic and on the Bravo TV show, Vanderpump Rules, Rachel O'Brien. Hi, Rachel. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on the show. You have like a mouthful of credits. Just I a total was, badass. I mean, that was like four. Yes. <laughs> more than I I've have. heard of I people like, with more. Hannah, host of Too Much to Handle. Like, you know, no, there's more. Well, you did my podcast. I had a list of dog them. bomb. <laughs> Occasional dog bomb. Um, okay. I'm so excited to have you on this episode because you are hilarious. Thanks. And I think a lot of people want to harness that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do watch uh, the show Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Have you Love seen it? Love it. Okay. I just finished season two. And I, first of all, I'm I haven't finished s- it yet. Okay, I'm only like through episode four. I will give you no spoilers. This season is amazing. That's what I will tell you. Um, And for those of you guys who haven't seen it, essentially the show is about a woman in the 1940s who kind of just like stumbles drunkenly and very upset on a stage one night and just sort of like rants about her life and people start laughing and she sort of develops this whole stand-up comedy career from it. And the show sort of you know, goes through gender dynamics Mm -hmm. and sort of dealing with being a woman who's very career oriented Mm -hmm. and who is funny, but also having to sort of uphold some of the traditional gender roles uh, of the 1940s. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that every time she goes up to do a set, they ask her if she's a singer or they immediately assume that she's not a comedian because one, she's a woman and two, she's attractive. And I think that trope still exists today. And that's why I'm so excited to have you on the show because you're a woman, you're Mm -hmm. beautiful. And I'm sure you still face that, that stereotype and that criticism, like when you are going, you know, on tour. Well, certainly no one ever asked me if I'm a singer because I have a terrible (laughs) voice that's never been asked (laughs) ever. Uh, And they would really regret it if they did. Um, It happens. It's not that people don't, uh, don't think that, uh, actually, yeah, no, who am I kidding? Every time I tell someone I'm a comic that's not in the comedy world, they're like, really? Mm-hmm. They like, get confused by it. And a lot of times they'll say, well, tell me something funny. And I'm like, no, 
It'd be like if you were a doctor and I was like, could you just perform surgery right now? Could you just, uh, I need an eye exam. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. That's like not how stand-up comedy or humor in general works unless you're giving like one-liners, which I think is kind of a little like antiquated right now. Or Um, you just are funny in conversation. You don't just tell someone be funny right now. Yeah, that's impossible. It's weird. It has to be within some sort of context. Yeah. But I do like, I have guy friends who like quote unquote, joke that women aren't funny. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I don't think that's a joke. And I think that's more evidence that they don't necessarily understand humor. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I know a lot of guys who don't necessarily think some of the biggest female comics um, are funny because they're a little crass, like Amy mm-hmm. Schumer, Chelsea Handler, Ali Wong, Eliza Schlesinger. Um, but I feel like guys are crass all the time yeah. and they get more of a pass for that. Well, maybe it's because they like women to be ladies. Oh. But that's, I just think that's so ridiculous. It's like, I, I personally don't love super crass humor. It's not mm-hmm. my favorite. But at the same time, I think those women are really, really funny. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I just, I don't personally do it. But I think that guys, I don't know. I think that they just don't, they don't like to see a woman being funnier than them. Yeah. And a lot of guys, and a lot of guys and a lot of people, it's, it's like an armchair quarterback. They have so many opinions on what they would do if they were on stage, like how they would. And I'm like, well, why don't you get on stage? I'd love to see you go to an open mic mm. and test out all these great, brilliant ideas that you think you have. Yeah. How you could change how that person does it. Interesting. With guys in your life, have you faced that criticism? Like whether it be somebody you're dating or mm-hmm. guy friends, how do you um, sort of deal with that? Well, most of my guy friends are other guy comics. And yeah. so we're, we always just kind of give each other notes and stuff. But yeah, guys I'm dating will give me their opinion or or just if they come to one of my shows, they'll give their, their opinion on like every comic that night. Like I didn't think he was funny or I didn't think she was. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, and giving their opinion on why they could do it better. I'm like, all right. Mm. Mm, but you're uh, an accountant. I don't know that you could, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I mean, there's probably some funny accountants no, I'm out sure. there. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just making that professional. I've never dated an accountant. <laughs> no, I, I think I think that's interesting because I think uh, humor is something that is so like subjective. It is true. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. Like I find things funny that my boyfriend doesn't find funny. Totally. I have like, it's funny because I have like more fratty humor than mm-hmm. he does. Oh, really? You know, I t- totally. I think like The League is the funniest show on TV. And he's like, yeah, it's hilarious. But he's like, oh, that's too fratty for me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you know, yeah, uh, sorry. Yeah, no, and everyone has their own opinion on it. That doesn't necessarily mean they're like knocking someone. Yeah, yeah. And I do think that like, What's interesting is I think oftentimes we're like, oh, men and women have different senses of humor, but you know, studies show that uh, both genders are equally as funny mm-hmm. and they usually find the same things funny. So they've done a bunch of different studies like where they take a cartoon and what men and women have to write um, like a caption for it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and what happens and then they rate it, right? On mm-hmm. you know the how funny it is. And what, what they found is that men and women are equally funny and they find the same things funny. Oh. So I think it's interesting when we like look at comics mm-hmm. and how and how we rate and and analyze them mm-hmm. because oftentimes i think we are predisposed to think that men are quote unquote funnier because we've just there's more male comics and that's what yeah, we've totally. been, that's what we've been sort of like that's what we've been grown up with and that's mm-hmm. what we've taught and you know kind of going back to like your dating life and mm-hmm. and you know having that be a part of it is oftentimes 
like I think sense of humor is an important trait for most people when looking for a partner. Um, but what's really interesting is uh, Scientific American looked into this and that when people indicate that humor is an important trait for a potential mate, they actually interpret it differently. So women interpreted this as someone who makes them laugh, mm-hmm. whereas men want someone who laughs at their I jokes. Was just gonna, I was just going to guess that. Yeah. I don't think that a lot of guys really want like an overly funny girl. I think that I think that that's rare. Oh, I'll give you an example. Yeah. After comedy shows, a lot of male comics have like female groupies lining up. Female comics, not not so much. We don't have yeah. like a bunch of guys coming to be like, it's not, I don't know. I just think that it, it's, they don't really have an interest in dating someone that, because they, I mean, they want to shine. Yeah. Well, yeah. You think that it's just sort of like a ego thing? I don't know, maybe, or mm. maybe they just find female comics annoying. I don't know. I, I, I'm not quite sure. I mean, it's not like affected my dating life yeah. or anything, but like I could venture to guess that some people have not wanted to date me for that reason. Interesting. Plus, plus I have like kind of like a, like a, not a mean sense of humor, but I like to tease people that I date. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that takes a special person. Yeah. I call that bus nuts. Yeah. Bus nuts. <laughs> I call that I bus like nuts. That. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, I can play bus nuts just with the rest of them. I keep up with the rest of them. Yeah. But some people, especially guys don't like that term. Probably. They really? <laughs> <I> <laughs> and like they it. probably don't like the act of it either. Yeah. I think that's so funny. Because I, I like when a guy jokes around with me and yeah. like kind of makes fun of me. Like, I deserve it. <laughs> totally. So when did you like first realize that you were funny? Uh, I was a funny kid. Yeah. I was you, a weird kid. Did you know that you were funny when you were younger? Uh, I don't know. I just had so much fun with my my best friend. And she actually goes on the road with me now. Mm. Um, she doesn't like live in LA and do comedy, but she is really funny. So I bring her on the road to like live podcasts. Anyways, um... I just had so much fun with her and we would like improvise. I knew I knew when we got into like junior high or like sixth grade and we were doing book reports and people would bring in like their like dioramas or whatever, read off a page and her and I would just totally improvise like a weird mm. scene. Like it's probably inappropriate now, but we did a report on American Indians and we like painted our faces and like pretended like we knew how to like light fire. And so it was just like a really, and we would just get such a kick out of just weird shit that we would do that. I don't know. I think I just knew that I liked performing Mm. and I would act out SNL sketches. And I, I look back at photos even of like, um, after like a dance recital and every other girl is like standing there normally. And I'm like wacky with like my hands up. Like I was just annoying. But funny. Yeah, but funny. Were you praised for being funny? Was that ever like a compliment or maybe a, a criticism that was like attributed to you? Um, yeah, I think, I no, it was it was a compliment. My parents, I think that they just indulged me mm. um, and friends. I, I think I just knew too when I was younger, like I wasn't shy and I knew how to banter. So like mm. I had a lot of guy friends and I knew how to like riff with them and banter. And I, I don't know. I just think I had a sense for it. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, especially like going back to your childhood, like I do think a lot of like the seeds of humor and the seeds of being weird or, you Mm -hmm. know, sort of like wanting to perform, like start at that young age. But I think so much, so often when we think about the class clown, it's usually boys, Mm -hmm. right? Totally. And I know that like when I acted out in school for some sort of like attention, Mm -hmm. I was definitely reprimanded, not Mm -hmm. in the same way that boys were, because that wasn't something that yeah. Was like acceptable or just like associated with young 
girls. Yeah. So I think like being told you're funny, like now, like I take that as a huge compliment yeah. if somebody tells me I'm funny. When you were younger, did you feel like stifled afterwards? Like, oh, I'm like, yeah, because you were course. just being creative yeah. or being yourself. Yeah. Or like trying to, yeah, ex express myself or like, I've always loved being surprise to nobody, but I've always loved being the center of attention. Yeah. And when you're- it's fun. Yeah, well, it's, it's very fun. Mm -hmm. um, I don't always have to be though. I can be like pretty quiet sometimes. Yeah. If I'm just not in the mood. Well, what's interesting, and Amy Schumer wrote about this in her book. And when I read it, it like just hit me. Mm -hmm. um, she talks about how she goes and performs, but she's actually a huge introvert. And that that's like a whole other character she is on stage. And once I read that book, I realized that I didn't, know before that I was an introvert. Mm -hmm. Like I'm a very quiet and like reserved person, mm -hmm. I think in like my real life and in mm -hmm. my like alone life. Yeah. I'm um, the same way. Yeah. I'm a homebody. Yeah. I mean, I like to, I like to be out, but only for a certain amount of time. And I don't need to talk to everyone. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm actually fine just having my one friend that I laugh with. Like I don't want to meet everyone. And like, so maybe I don't need to be the center of attention unless I am on stage. Yeah. And I think that's common with a lot of comics mm -hmm. because I think people expect to be around comics and it's constant like joke, joke, joke. But a lot of them are kind of quiet. Yeah. And I don't necessarily like, I, so I've watched your stand-up comedy mm -hmm. and I don't necessarily stuff think online it's, is so old, but. <laughs> but I don't think it's like joke, joke, joke. You're like storytelling mm -hmm. yeah. with the humorous slant. Yeah. I definitely right? tell, I'm a storyteller. I yeah. only have a few like quick jokes. Yeah. And I think like for so many people, that's kind of how humor infiltrates their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think people now like recognize the value in being funny, you know, like mm -hmm. there's actually like and the value of being a good storyteller is a very huge. important thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think being a good storyteller is really important for your relationships mm -hmm. and to be able to express yourself. But being funny also has like an evolutionary advantage in that you're like attracting a mate because there's, totally. they see that as an intelligence, like mm -hmm. humor is related to intelligence. So for people who want to be funny, mm -hmm. <laughs> to be funnier, maybe they don't think they're, they don't know they're mm -hmm. funny yet. What sort of like advice would you give them to harnessing that humor within? Well, I would say definitely... Anytime in conversation, mm. they do get like somewhat of a laugh or even if they don't think something's funny, let's say they're telling a story that they almost deem like, well, that really sucked that, that happened to me and someone else finds humor in it. They can kind of take that and be like, oh, and it might actually make them feel better about whatever situation they just went through and be mm -hmm. like, oh, I could retell this to someone in a humorous way and entertain them because oftentimes it's like comedy plus time or sorry, sorry pain plus time equals comedy. So huh. you may not see That's like funny. something that is going on in your life is like totally humorous. But if someone else is kind of like, uh, then you can retell it later and like add some laughs to it. And yet now you have a little bit of a party story to tell. Do you feel that that process for you is helpful as like a coping mechanism for the pain yeah. that you go through? Oh my God, absolutely. Tell me more about that. Uh, that's, I mean, that's, how my whole family is like when I was, I don't know, 12 or whatever, like my, my dad, uh, he was basically dead. They told him he had six months to live. He's not dead. Thank God. Mm. He says, you can't kill him. He's too mean. Um, <laughs> but, uh, he had just horrible, horrible cancer that they misdiagnosed originally with Lou Gehrig's disease. Ugh. But then my mom was like, he's not dying. That's not what he has. And then they figured it was a rare form of cancer, whatever. 
it's fine. But my dad was so funny the whole time throughout our whole family was. I remember we went on vacation to uh, Las Vegas and he couldn't walk down the long hallways. So he was in a motorized scooter at like 39 years old. And I remember he like took off down the hallway pretending like he was speeding and he was like, I'm going to go pick up chicks. Like, <laughs> it's just, it just funny. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've always used humor as a coping mechanism. I still joke to him this day about his cancer because he still has it. He'll never die from it, but I mean, eventually, but uh, still to this day, like we were talking about, I'm like, oh, you had it for 20 years. He's like, yeah. I'm like, if you've had a good run, it's pretty good. <laughs> like, it's just, we're just, I don't know. It, it feels better to be light about it. Yeah. And do you find like when you're consoling friends that you bring that into the equation? Yeah. Or I always it, hope that's, that people that's like hard, that Yeah. Though. That's hard. That's a hard line to walk. Yeah. How do you I, sort of feel that out? I don't know. I I hope that I don't offend people, but I think that it's helpful to kind of lighten the mood. And I have, most of my friends have a really good sense of humor. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I think that, I don't know. I think it's a good way to handle it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I agree with you. I use humor as a coping me mechanism. Every time I've gone through something, you know, tragic mm -hmm. in my life, I am immediately making jokes about it. And that's mm -hmm. when my mom's like, oh shoot, something's going on because I'm making too many jokes about yeah. something that's going on in my life. But every single time that there's something serious, I try to mm -hmm. cut it with humor. Yeah. Um, do you think sometimes though, when people like us do that, it's bad to a certain degree because you're never actually addressing the issue? Yes and no, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think I, I'm i uh, like we talked about, like I'm very introverted. Mm -hmm. So I reflect a lot um, on my own. Yeah. And I'm not like making jokes with myself, although yeah. I, I do that. Yeah. I make myself laugh all day long by myself. It's <laughs> um, a good way to live. Yeah. But, but when I'm, you know, sort of going through something, I think I'm more introspective and dealing with it on my own. I'm not somebody who likes to deal with things with others or really get into yeah, talking through Yeah, I'm not that either. It. I'm not yeah. the one that's like calls on my friends and it's like, I need you to come over. I'm having a hard time. I, I never no, do that. never. I'm always, I'm always making jokes about it. Like the next day, Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, trying to live my best life and joke about it, yeah. you know? And even, I think I do with my friends, even when they come to me with stuff and I, it's definitely like a feel out situation. Mm -hmm. depends on the friend, yeah. but I know one of my friends, um, I guess like sort of came out to me that she was in a relationship with another woman. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I responded to her, uh, was, why not me? <laughs> That's funny. You know, That's like great. I don't understand. And, and yeah. it's sort of like, I think she was so nervous and it just brought a levity into the situation. Yeah. See, in that situation, it's that's so helpful to like ease someone's nerves about something like that. Do you find that it's hard to sort of cope with things if you're always uh, being humorous about it? Um, No, because I, I'm like you. I reflect definitely a lot when I'm by myself. So I don't think... And I, I feel like I'm just one of those people that I don't want to bring down the mood when I'm around people. Mm. And and frankly, I've probably thought about it enough on my own that I don't really want to like talk about bad stuff around people. Yeah. I'd rather have fun, frankly. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think, I mean, having fun is important. And I think being funny and you're very funny and you're very confident about your funniness, which I really appreciate. I know when oh, we were thanks. on your podcast, mm -hmm. you were very confident in the fact that you're funnier than every guy you dated. <laughs> and I was like, damn, I love that. Well, I've never dated a comedian. I don't know. I've well, always who dated I mean, people are yeah, funny yeah. who aren't comedians, but I loved that you had that security mm -hmm. in your own talent. So I find that like very, very admirable and very warranted, obviously. Um, but how did you become that confident? 
Did you always have that confidence? Did I was, it build over well, time? Well, I was very confident as a kid. I actually had more confidence as a kid than I even do now. And I and it was at a time when I should have had the least amount of confidence because I was also a fat kid. Like actually, not when people were like, oh, I was chubby. Like I was like probably 60 pounds overweight at a certain <laughs> point. But my mom, no one ever told me. Like it wasn't until like some kid was once mean to me at school. And I was like, why are you so short, Carl? Um, but um <laughs> Yeah, my parents always just told me I was beautiful. So I would walk around and be like, I am so pretty. Uh, everything is happening for me. <laughs> it's great. And I was also from a really small town where there was no like competition and there was no groups. And so yeah. I wasn't raised with ha- like having, I never felt bad about myself. I And I just was really happy. <laughs> and so I think I've always had that confidence. So then when I finally lost weight and was more attractive, I didn't only need to rely on that because it already developed a personality and I don't know. So Mm. it's kind of come natural to me. I still, you know, get insecure like everyone else, but I would rather feel confident than feel terrible about myself. So even if I have to fake it until I feel it, I'll do that. Ah, I love that. I love that so, so much because I think a lot of people don't recognize even the value in sort of like faking that confidence mm-hmm. because your body doesn't know, doesn't know the, the difference. difference. Yeah. Do yeah. you know that, um, actually I've heard this. Well, I actually went to like a hypnotherapist, this guy's amazing and regular therapist. And he said that your brain does not know the difference between thinking you're doing something and actually doing it. Mm-hmm. The same neurons fire. So you might as well just fake it until you actually feel it. I do that when I'm like very sad. I had I had a rough December, Rachel. Mm-hmm. Let me just oh, tell you. I had sorry. a rough December. I had a rough 2018. So. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I mean, I think a lot of people do. Yeah. I think 2018 was just a weird, weird, I think it weird was. year. Unless, we, ju- unless we just always say that. But no, because I remember being like, that was a good year before. <laughs> I'm waiting for that moment. Yeah. But, yeah. but, but I, I would, you know, during December, I would just have moments by myself where I would just try to smile for a minute straight, That's, even when I was in my most mm-hmm. difficult times. Mm-hmm. And it just sort of like snapped me back mm-hmm. to reality. I've heard that works. Yeah. Just the act of like turning your mouth up and smiling. It's like, okay. Isn't that wild? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, and it, and it's better. It's more fun to be happy. Mm-hmm. I love that you were, as a kid, your parents just built you up. Like, wouldn't that be amazing if every so single I wish that they people did that their kids. was told that they were beautiful and mm-hmm. perfect and had the whole world in their hands? Yes. Do you know who um, Prince EA is? Mm-mm. He's like kind of this motivational speaker guy. He's really cool. He's, yeah, I just reposted one of his videos. You should look okay, at I'm it. I'm gonna look at it, yeah. But um, he had this other video that I saw on his Instagram that he posted. It was a story about this professional baseball player that went and talked to three inmates in a prison. And um, the inmates said to him, well, how did you become a professional baseball player? And he was like, well, when I was little, I would play catch with my dad. And my dad would say to me, you keep throwing like that and you're gonna um, end up playing in the major leagues. Mm. And one of the inmates said, I believe that that probably worked because when I was little, my dad told me I was nothing and I would probably end up in prison. And so I did. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the concept behind self-fulfilling prophecy has been proven time and time again Mm -hmm. through different experiments. I mean, especially with young kids, when they're told um, they're smart Mm -hmm. versus they tried hard. Uh, the kids who say they tried hard actually do better. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because the kids who are smart are just like banking on that and like don't necessarily feel that they have to put in oh, the that's effort. Cool. Yeah, uh-huh. because I when, thought you were going to say maybe it was the opposite. No, yeah, no, it's really interesting um, how like 
different things sort of like pan out when you're told something. Mm -hmm. Like they said in a room um, that, you know, blue eyed kids are, you know, better at this. And I don't remember the exact details mm -hmm. of the study, but blue eyed kids are better at this and brown eyed kids, you know, are bad at that. Mm -hmm. And then the blue eyed kids actually did better on that because that's what they were told. So interesting. It is so interesting how you can sort of, um, trick yourself yeah you can train being. your brain to like do you think you can do that with humor uh you if you're if you're not naturally funny can you be funny is that what you mean oh well well now i'm gonna dig into this <laughs> now now wait, hold on we gotta we gotta do a little <laughs> side tangent do you think that people are naturally funny or do you think it's a skill that they can acquire well, I definitely think that a lot of people are just naturally funny. And mm. there's a lot of people that should be comics. I mean, there's- Maybe you, some you, accountants. Yeah, exactly. You know people where you're just like, they're just so naturally like great storytellers, mm -hmm. funny, like witty, everything. Um, so there's definitely that. And then, but in terms of like, I guess getting on stage and being a comic, that is a skill to hone. I think there's a lot of naturally people funny that probably would have to work hard at stand-up still. You can't just- um, but if there's someone that's not naturally funny at all, I think you can work enough to be funny to a certain level, but I don't know if, I don't know. I think you'd have to work really hard at it. Yeah. Interesting. I think that, and I'm not, I'm talking about like someone that's really not naturally funny, like someone that's really just doesn't get it. I think mm. it would maybe take more work, but I don't know. I think anyone can really do anything. It just depends on, maybe they would just be a different style of comedy. And that would actually kind of be funny. Yeah, yeah. I forget what that comic's name is, who's just says like weird, awkward, you know, staccato things in the mic. And it ends up being, and they're not associated with each other. Uh -huh. And it ends up being oh, funny. Uh, you know who I'm talking about. Um, oh my God. The Wolf he passed away, right? Uh, Mitch Hedberg? Mm, no, I don't know. Well, well he's I'll, a genius. I'll put it, yeah, put yeah, it yeah. somewhere. But I do think, I do think you're right. Do you think you have to be in that environment to like, a, well, I yeah. guess- have that natural that's with anything I think flair. it's like like watch greatness be around greatness become great type of thing like I think you I think the more yeah you are in the environment and watch comedy watch the way other people do it I think yeah. that yeah you can get better you know even though you grew up like being told you were funny when did you think that you could pursue stand-up comedy as a career um, well, I started doing it after I went to grad school for screenwriting and I liked writing comedies and then mm. I wanted to test out my jokes. And so I was like, well, I should try them on stage. Um, so it wasn't really, it was just sort of like a, oh, I will, I will do that now. And mm. then I got on stage once and I was, it got under my skin and I had to do it for forever. But what do you mean it got under your skin? Like I loved it. Like it just oh. became, a, I was like, uh, this is the greatest thing ever. Kind of like when you were saying when the lights went on yeah. and you were filmed the first time hosting, you were like, yeah, I'm not leaving. Mm -hmm. That's how I felt with stand-up. I was like, oh, I'm not going anywhere. Were you scared before you stepped on stage for the first time? Well, I'm one of those people that I took a class first. Oh. So I took like a three month long class. And then my first I, okay, time being on stage you. was a showcase. And so oh, I was like set yeah. up not to fail the first time. And it was all my friends and family in the audience. And then I went to a real open mic later <laughs> and it was a little different, but yeah. yeah. I took a stand-up class Ooh. and there was a showcase at the end and I skipped it. Really? There was oh. no way I was going to do it. But I bet you learned a lot in the class. <laughs> yeah. And the way that this teacher taught it, like he said that there's a formula to jokes. Who's the, who was the teacher? Was it Carrie Otis? No, Greg Dean. Greg Dean. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, and, and I... 
like I, that didn't make sense to me because mm-hmm. I think in my daily life, I try to like infuse humor. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't see it as much as an equation. So I think that was like a very hard concept yeah. for me. I mean, he's a great teacher. Well, you I don't want to like some disparage him. But there are, there are certain like ways to write a joke though that are, or just tell a joke that are like, like comedy comes in threes where it's mm. like two things sound normal. And then the third one is like, yeah. Confuses you. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That contradiction is what's funny. Yeah. So you said, wait, when you stepped on stage, it was a different experience. Like, the, what was that like? I felt like, um, I don't know. I felt kind of like a drug where I'm like, I felt like I had just, just keep, I don't know. I just loved it so much. I just, I felt- Even if you, let's say, I don't know if this has ever happened. I Of course, I, if you're going to ask me it. if I've bombed, yes, I've bombed many <laughs> times. Um, and how do you feel when you get off stage? I feel horrible and like I want to die and then I get over it and think, all right, next time I'll do better. How do you get over it? I think it's a good grounding experience sometimes to bomb because it just reminds you like, oh, I got to keep writing new jokes. I got to keep working at this. I can't get lazy. I can't just decide that I'm not going to tell jokes with the right timing. Not decide, but like, you know, sometimes you're just tired or I don't know. Yeah, there's so many just different off, factors yeah. in stand like comedy. Yeah. It could be the audience, it could be you. You could yeah. have ate something weird or not eaten enough. You yeah, know? like there's so many different things. Totally. So I I think for a lot of people, myself included, like when there's those moments that we bomb in life, mm-hmm. right? Like whether it's well, on stage or, or comedy, like I've had it in my career uh-huh. many a times. I've had it in my personal life even more times. Like there's that uh, feeling of wanting to quit. How, did you ever have that feeling? And how did you sort of like get out of that feeling? I don't think that I've ever wanted to quit after bombing wow. um, because I love it so much. I did mm. that ever, I never saw that as an option. Um, I think that, I th- I don't know. I think in the moment, I think like, however, how will I ever get over this embarrassment? Everyone knows I'm never going to get booked again or something like that. But I never thought like, um, I, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then, and then oftentimes, like, usually I get, like, I feel like I somehow like manifest this, that like, I will bomb. And then all of a sudden it will come out, like, we're all hear a story of like Bill Burr, like, who's like one of the best comics mm-hmm. in the world, like bombing at the Boston Garden talking about it. Like, and I'm like, okay. And now he's one of the biggest comics in the world. Like, it's fine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Everyone, it happens to everyone. I think that's really a really good point because I think looking at, other people who have achieved so much Mm -hmm. and looking at their sort of uh, mistakes and failures in Mm -hmm. their own life can be really inspiring, Mm -hmm. which sounds really weird, right? Because I think when we talk about like being inspired, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, look how much this person has achieved. But I think- I don't think that's a helpful way to like inspire anyone because you're just, it's actually, I think depressing because you're like, well, how does everything happen so easy for them? Yeah. And honestly, every huge, hugely successful person has been fired from their dream job Mm -hmm. or been so broke that they were sleeping on a friend's couch. Like it's every person. I I don't think I've ever heard of one incredibly successful person that hasn't had you know, a major bomb in their life. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm reading um, Shoe Dog right now by Phil Knight about mm-hmm. the founding of Nike. And it was not an easy road yeah. to get where he is now. And it was just like so many, I would say ups and downs, but it was just a lot of downs. Yeah. And he just like persevered. And I feel like that is what's so inspiring. And it's so hard because I feel like when we look at Instagram mm-hmm. and we're like looking at, 
fitspo or mm-hmm. any sort of like motivational I have fitspo quote. blocked from my thing. Yeah, I can't, I can't <laughs> do it anymore because you're only seeing somebody's like, I mean, they always say like, it's your highlight reel, it's not mm-hmm. your behind the scenes. Like yeah. you're only seeing the successes. You're not necessarily seeing those, that failure or those moments of, of weakness and those mm-hmm. moments of insecurity um, where maybe you did want to give up or maybe mm-hmm. you did feel like you wanted to die or whatever mm-hmm. that feeling is for, for different people and how they sort of, you know, go through heartbreak or tragedy or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Um, but I think that's like some of the most inspiring moments is mm-hmm. like how you take that like low point and go forth. Yeah. I think for me, it's like, what else am I like? if I give up, I know I'm going to be fully depressed. So it's kind of like, there's nothing else I can do except for hunker down and move forward. So it's almost like there's just no other option. I think I've just never given myself another option. And at this point, I've been doing this so long. It's like, who the hell is going to hire me at a real job? Like, you know, it's like, (laughs) I kind of have to make it work at this point. No, I I mean, I I think that that mentality is so important for everybody, Mm -hmm. whether you're, you know, trying to be on stage or not, just like, don't give yourself another option. How do you get through moments when you feel like you've bombed? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, just curious um, to hear your- I cry a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I cry a lot. Um, I think I similarly have a- dream that I mm-hmm. want to achieve. Mm-hmm. And I think there's moments where I'm like, oh, I just want to give up. And then I'm like, well, there's nothing else that I feel this passionate about or that I'd even really want to do. Mm-hmm. So I just need to figure out how to make this work. And right. I think it frankly helps that I have like a lot of supportive people around me mm-hmm. and people who like believe in, in what I'm going to do mm-hmm. in my life. Um, my, my boyfriend said to me the other day and I wanted to hit him, but he was right. He was like, you know, when I was struggling in December, he was like, you know, you learn the most in your low moments and totally. those are going to set right. you up for your highest moments. And I was like, just shut up. Let me be sad. But he's right. And totally that just right. like that inspiration was like, okay, like you're being mm-hmm. supportive. You're being supportive. Yeah. I appreciate it. But he was right. And that like helps me mm-hmm. like think that way. Yeah. I had a similar talk with my dad last night about that. And he, and he, he's so right. My dad is like not one to be like, feel sorry for me. He mm. was just sort of like, he's like, do you know like what most people go through and like how hard it is to be? He's like, he's like, this is not that hard. And he's like, he's like, and you're going to, this is what sets you up to learn. Mm. And it sets you up to learn like how, to, like who to trust and like all the little things that happen. You can't, you can't just skate through life. That's never going to. No. And you wouldn't want to because no. you wouldn't be able to change that way. Mm-hmm. You need that sort of disruption mm-hmm. to take you to it's one of the greatest the next change level. agents, I think, in your life is like having because you wouldn't know, you wouldn't it, it actually makes you more grateful for what you have and mm-hmm. and, all, and for what you're going to get because you wouldn't know the how it feels to feel that low or not have it if it if you didn't have those moments. Mm-hmm. I studied psychology in school and there's this experiment that they do like people who um climb a mountain and it's mm-hmm. like super easy and then they get to the top and they see the view versus people who like the terrain was so difficult and they mm-hmm. struggled and it took hours when they get to the top they appreciate the view more than Absolutely. the people who had the easy road up and I think that in the midst of everything that can be so hard mm-hmm. to recognize um but when you're at the top I think that that looking back mm-hmm. um and that you know hindsight 
can give you sort of oh, that. Yeah. You that. see that all the time with with people who just have things handed to them all the time. They're some of the most miserable people in the world because mm. nothing makes them happy. They didn't have to work for anything. So they're just not happy with basic things or even extravagant things. Yeah. No, I think you're right. And I think for, for people who are listening who maybe are like struggling through things or working really hard and not seeing you know, that light at the end of the tunnel that can be really encouraging, mm-hmm. right? To like know that there is a moment where you're just really going to appreciate everything that you worked for and have Absolutely. that gratitude. And I really, truly believe that people who like work hard and have their dreams will achieve it one way or another, right? Mm-hmm. It may manifest differently than they anticipated. Yeah. And you have to be open to that. Like yeah. that your your path may kind of deviate and, and that's just the way it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so inspirational, Rachel. <laughs> Thanks. So are you. Um, I, so one of my um, goals for this year mm-hmm. is to, <clears throat> excuse me, be a lot more um, or really tap into my curiosity. I think I'm a really curious person, but mm-hmm. I really want to tap into my curiosity more. And one of the ways that I want to do that is sort of understanding the people that I know and Mm -hmm. the people that come on the show a little bit better, right? Because we all have different paths and we all have different things that drive us Mm -hmm. and and keep us going and make us unique and really bolster our talent. Um, So I'm going to ask you five questions uh, that I'd love if you could answer rapid fire uh, with one word or uh, two. What's one thing you couldn't live without? Travel. Ooh, what drives you? Uh, oh, drives me the comedy, my dream. Mm. Oh, wait, I'm going to add one for you. I'm going to make it six rapid fire. Who or what makes you laugh? Uh, um, I like dark humor. <laughs> um, what keeps you positive? knowing that, oh, this is not that quick, knowing that other people just say quicker, uh, who have failed in the past and now have incredible careers, like knowing that that's an option. Mm, I like that. Um, what or who inspires you? Didn't you just ask that? Did I? No. What'd you, what was oh, it? Maybe. I said, <laughs> what keeps you positive? Oh, oops. What or who inspires me? Um, what or who inspires me? Uh, they are the same thing to me, I think. Okay. Yeah. Those are, yeah, they, that both those, yeah, they kind of are the same thing to me. Okay. And what is your intention? That could be for today. It could be for tomorrow. It could be for your lifetime. To be grateful. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Do you, how do you practice gratitude? Like in your life? Uh, whenever I'm being like self-loathing or like, oh, this is hard. I think like, no, 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 no. I am so lucky. What am I grateful for? I just try to turn it around because, because I, I can't stand people like me who, I mean, we, we have great lot. We live in America, you know what I mean? Who complain about, I hate victims. And whenever I feel myself going into like a victim mentality, I get like very grossed out with myself. So then I try to think like, what are you grateful for? Oh, you have a list of about 200 things to be grateful for. Yeah. Instead of that sort of like, woe is me. Yeah. Woe is me. Nothing ever happens for me. Look how awesome this is. Yeah. 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 Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Well, I have loved having you on Too Much to Handle. Tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, You can find my comedy dates at rachelobriancomedy.com. Rachel spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. 
And on Instagram and Twitter at Rachel N. O'Brien, it reads like Rachel No Brian. It does. It's I very know. funny. And your website is full of amazing pictures. Oh, so everybody go you. to her <laughs> website. And also, please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Also, please rate and review this podcast. I'll be giving shout outs and reading some of your comments. So be sure to do that. And just a reminder, we'll be coming at you every Wednesday. So buckle up because it's going to be too much to handle. See you next week. Ah!